This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Rob Hochul. In this episode, we're talking to Bob Boylan of NPR Music. He's the host and creator of NPR's All Songs Considered and the Tiny Desk concert series. Bob and his co-host Stephen Thompson spent a few days on Berkeley's Boston campus to hold a listening party and spend some time talking music with our students. Bob was kind enough to make time while he was here to sit and have a conversation at my tiny desk. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us today, Bob. Absolutely. I love Berkeley. When Berkeley loves you, it's been so much fun to have you around here. What, you know, you guys are down there in Washington. I picture you and Stephen and Robin in this like cove of cool tunes. And here you are spending a few days in Boston. What brought you up to Berkeley? Uh, well, I met Audrey uh, Herrera for uh, a while back. She's become a friend of mine, and her idea was to get me to meet students because she thought that it would be inspiring for me and inspiring for the students, and she was 1,000% right. Yeah, so what has that been like? Uh, what are you sort of picking up from just being around this community? Uh, I wish I'd been here as a college student and not a business major. Oh, you were a business major. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> Yeah. And now you're a musician, so would, it would, could you picture yourself uh, kind of being here and studying? And Well, I walked into a room that was full of uh, an ARP 2600 and a Buchla, and I pretty much can just bring a cot there and want to live there. <laughs> so, Well, let me just on behalf of the college invite you to come back anytime, <laughs> and we'll see if we can get that cot for you. So All Songs is really an amazing product, and it's a great thing for listeners and musicians. How did it start? What is the origin story? Uh, I was directing a show called All Things Considered, very uh, wonderful uh, news show uh, for, all, for NPR. Uh, I worked there for uh, 19 years, 18, as the director of the show. And I played, uh, well, I produced music stories for All Things Considered uh, for all those years, so music has always been my thing but played little segments of music after news stories, something unique to NPR that no one else does on a news show to sort of segue you from story to story or give you time to digest the nature of perhaps a deep and sad story. Uh, and I'd always get emails about that music that I played uh, and before that handwritten letters. And uh, I think the uh, late 80s and early 90s was saw basically the death of good music radio in most cities, certainly Washington where I lived. Uh, and the, those emails and letters that I would get told me that people were music starved, that they were hearing music they would never hear otherwise. And, uh, and so as the internet started forming, I thought, hmm, okay, it's really hard to launch a radio show and try to get it on all the member stations across the NPR network. Uh, but what if I just did a music show that was on the web? Uh, low, I mean, the, the, what we had to put into it, it the lo if, if it didn't work, it was no great loss, right? There's right. not a lot of energy put into it. But um, uh, I probably could say that a little better, but, but it's, it, it was worth the shot. Let's just say it was worth a shot. And um, so I did a music show based around the little snippets of music I played in between news stories, and that's what All Songs Considered was for about uh, the first two or three months. Uh, eventually I realized playing all instrumental music was not necessarily the best thing to do. There, there was so much music out there that people were music starved for, and so mm -hmm. that, was, that was January 2000, and uh, we've been doing it for 15 years. 
Thank goodness for that. You know, it's interesting you say that, that there was this uh, perception of the death of, of good music radio, I think is the way you just put it. There were times in the last 10 or 15 years when, when people I know here on campus at Berkeley would say things like, you know, radio is really not that important anymore as a way for musicians to promote what they do. A show like yours would prove otherwise, thinking about all the bands that you've really given a big boost to. What is your feeling about the state of radio and podcasting as channels for musicians to promote themselves? Um, well, first, the definition of radio has to just be expanded. It's basically, I mean, how it gets delivered is so unimportant, but it's an audio format and an audio-only format. And I think that's sort of what radio is to me. How, how it comes down the pipe and what pipe it comes down, I don't care. So I put podcasting and streaming and all that stuff in the same place I put radio. And if you do that, then radio is really healthy. It's a very healthy medium. And certainly there's lots of stations on the airwaves that are mind-boggling good. It's just you have to particularly live in that city to get that airwave. And uh, uh, I think that it is, I think, I think audio, I mean, I think all of those things, podcasting and, and streaming and over-the-air terrestrial stuff is a, a fantastic way for people to hear music and be an artist and get your music out there. Um, but the main thing is you have, to be a, you have to be an artist with something singular, something that speaks to that person who's going to put it out there, something that's going to speak to the listener who's going to like your music. You can't just make music and feel entitled to an audience. You have to earn it. So th that makes me kind of think of uh, what it's been like to watch the students interact with you while they're here this week. If a student asks you, what's your advice to me in terms of how I make my music, get my music out there and get people to appreciate what I have to say, what sort of advice do you give to them? Uh, well, first thing is that just because you made an, uh, a, a record doesn't mean the world needs to hear it. Um, so what you have to do is make a record that you're really proud of and make a record that maybe has something that is that only you could have made. Uh, and I think that's... Um, I think that's the most important thing, to do something that's singular. Uh, if you think of any song that you truly love, you could probably recognize that song within about two seconds. That's the song you want to make. <laughs> I mean, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a little abstract in what I'm saying, but point being is that there are an awful lot of people with guitars and songs. There's lots of people making beats that are you know, over and over again. What are you going to do to make a song when people like me listen to it or even just your friends listen to it that say, wow, I've not heard that before. Right. Yeah, and that's definitely the feeling I had when I listened to, well, like when you started playing Waterloo Sunset at the listening party last night. That instantly connects for me. And yes, I'm excited about what's to come after those first few seconds, you know. Um, so... It's some data. I want to get a little bit of data from you because you're such a passionate and uh, voracious uh, consumer of music as well as a musician. Uh, how many live shows per year do you go to? Uh, well, if you I count shows by band. So if I go to the 930 Club and see two bands and then run to the Black Cat and see another, I've been to three shows. Okay. So if you think about the way that I do my math, because I don't care what venue it is. right? Uh, so uh, in that case... Oddly, for the last two years running, I've 
been to 662 shows each of each year. So, wow. So 662 shows last year, 662 the year before, and how that is true, I'm not really sure. The exact same. The exact number. same number, <laughs> but it's but it is true. That's freakish. That's amazing. All right, um, and how about how many albums? Or unique, uh, unique albums do you listen to every year? Would you say? Oh wow, that's hard. And maybe that's hard because you listen. Because I don't to listen to a whole. Yeah, yeah. because uh, I don't want to listen to a whole album if I don't like a particular. Like if I, I start by listening to a song and I only listen to, and I only rip the whole album and run around with it in my car and my headphones if I like the song. So that's a tough one. But I get probably uh, two, three, four hundred submissions weekly. Uh, listen to. Uh, we all have a way of sifting, and uh, and I sift through things through cover art, through people who send it to me. I, you know, I have my filters, uh, and then I'm sure I'm sure I listen to a hundred different things every week, but probably more. So, with in mind that heavy consumption of live music and recorded music, what is it that about an artist that immediately grabs you, that gets you really excited, that lights you up? And I'd like you to answer it if there's a difference in terms of both going to live shows and in just throwing on a piece of music and listening to it. Um, well, the, the, the first thing is, is I like music, as uh, Susan uh, Rogers said last night, that's a, a nice blend of complexity and simplicity. Uh, so I like melody. I like a good melody. Uh, um, I, and I like something that's adventurous. So take me someplace I've never been. I'm okay with that. In fact, I expect it. I want it. Uh, as far as live versus recorded, recorded, it's hard to get right. I have to say, it's uh, many people are making first and second records, and it's really hard to nail who you are on a record. Live shows, you've probably done it a bunch of times. And so when I go see an artist live, I'm probably seeing a, a more... Um, uh, I was going to say honest, maybe that's not p the perfect word, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a clear representation of who they are, and I also am able to see their real talent, if I can say real talent. I can see what's trickery and what's not, what confidence they have, who the players are, how they interact, whether they like doing what they're doing, whether they, there's certain things that you can catch on live that you don't. Uh, when uh, so is there anybody that you're really excited uh, about listening to or seeing live at the moment? Uh, I've not, there are things I've not seen, which is this group Algiers, uh, who's new to me. Uh, they grew up in uh, sort of Alabama, but two of them live in London now, one in New York. It's this odd mix of music that I would not normally like, which is Southern rock-based music. I'm sorry, Southern people. Huh. Uh, but Southern rock is just something I never cared for, but these guys I like, and a mix of gospel music, and I like that a lot. Uh, Kate Tempest is an artist I mentioned and played at the listening party last night, and I'm madly in love with her, and I have seen her, and she is absolutely mind-boggling good, and she'll come to the States in June, and everyone should see Kate Tempest. Yeah, that was a great track you played last night. And if we could talk about the listening party for a second, because that was new to me. I didn't even know you guys did that, because I don't believe that's something you broadcast, the listening party. Like, no, but we made broadcast this one because it was really good. I'm going to listen to it. That's great. See. So tell us just, uh, for this audience, tell us what that listening party is, what, what actually went down there last night. And uh, you mentioned Susan Rogers. She's our, one of our music production engineering faculty members. She was on a panel. But what basically went down here last night? Uh, we, we choose music, panelists and myself, uh, and we play music for an audience who holds in their hands cards numbered 1 through 10. 
And uh, if they really love something, when we play the song, we only play a minute or so. They have to make a judgment. Uh, they hold up a 10 if they love, and if they don't, it's a 1, and then they do anything in between. So uh, we play some music, people hold up cards, we walk around the room with a microphone, and we begin a conversation about the likes and dislikes of a song, and then the conversation drifts into just general wonderful music conversations that could have everything to do with why, why people like f male falsetto to, uh, you know, how a song structure is in the case of last night because he had a lot of Berkeley students who understood song structure uh, and could say that oh boy that uh, you know that song started with uh, first the talking in the abstract and then the chorus always talked about the personal or that there are three key changes in a given song <laughs> or you know the things that sorts of things that music people understand more than just fans. So it was a little bit different at Berkeley than it normally is. Yeah and I love that. Yeah, it was fun. Um, the it's a hard thing to do, I have to say, to hold cards one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and to within a minute make that judgment about the tune. When there's so many sort of there's lyrics and there's music and there's melody and there's the the beat, um, it's not an easy thing to do. But I, I guess that's does that sort of uh, represent what it's like for you and Stephen and Robin to do what you do every day? Um, yeah, except I listen a lot even less time than a minute. Wow. Uh, and that sounds awful in a way, but um, how can I say this? I think it's easy to say that given, a, let's say, 30 or 40 seconds of a piece of music, that I can at least gather the aesthetic of the artist, meaning They've made choices of instrument sounds. They've made choices of the way they mix. They've made choices in the sort of language and words they use. They've, they have a vocal style that's either familiar or unfamiliar. They have, there are things about it that right away you can say, yeah, 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 check, little checklists in my head that I don't consciously think about it, but that I know that, yes, I want to spend more time with this artist. No, I don't. And when you get as many submissions as we get, um, that's one way to do it. Do I get everything by doing it that way? No, I'm sure I'm, I know I miss stuff, but, but um, it is just, you know, I, we all get good at our jobs, and I'd like to think that I've gotten good at my job in trying to suss out and figure out people who, are, who have something. That's all I'm looking for in that 30 seconds. I'm not saying I will never listen to artists again. I'm not saying they're sheer genius. All I want to know is, is there something here that is engaging and I want to spend more time with? And if it is, then I rip it and I walk around with it, I you know, commute with it, commune with it, <laughs> eat with it, <laughs> drink to it, and spend a lot of time. So speaking of people, artists who have something to say, there's a number of people who went to school here who, um, not that there's any connection, who have gotten a nice bit of exposure from your show. St. Vincent comes to mind, Annie Clark, uh, AKA Annie Clark, uh, as well as Lucius and Kishibashi, uh, uh, lost in the trees. Yeah. There might be others I'm not immediately thinking of. So not that you see anything common there or anything, but did you have any impressions about Berkeley having never been here before like you have based on those artists or anything else? I think Ari Picker from uh, Lost in the Trees has told me more about his Berkeley experience, who I learned yesterday was a s experience of coming seven straight summers to school which is why uh, he was not on the radar of a lot of people oh. here. Um, but 
uh, yeah, he told me how much composition and learning composition here meant to him, and you really do hear that clearly in his work. Uh, the Lucius people, um, you know, I've, I've heard this, many of them sort of met more in Brooklyn than they did here, the, a lot of them all came here. Uh, and you certainly, I mean, their music is not, there's nothing sort of casually put together in that music. And so I think that speaks well of what Berkeley did. They, they understand how to build a song, like, really well. Uh, St. Vincent, hard to tell. I mean, she had her ups and downs coming to, coming to school and just learning music school. But she had an aunt and uncle who took her on tour and on the road, and she saw firsthand what it was like to be a musician and, and play out. So she was schooled in a few different ways. I've asked you what sort of advice you'd give to students who uh, want to get their art out there. What advice would you have for people who want to make their podcasts cooler? <laughs> uh, it's the same advice, kind of. Be singular. Do something no one else does. Do something you'd actually want to listen to. Um, and do make your whatever you do have something about it that's unique. I think that's I mean that's so the key. I mean, why would someone want to listen to you? You must you have to figure out what you have to offer that nobody else can offer. It could be your humor, you know. It could be your ability to uh, take an idea and clearly put it out there, but. Uh, sometimes you just have to start somewhere too, which doesn't mean that. So it doesn't mean that that very first podcast, that very first podcast you do, is the perfect podcast, right? It takes a while. I can listen to my first ten years of my show and say, "Oh my God, seriously!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was happy with what I did, but uh, I feel like what I do now is better. So, but but it, it, but at least there was a nugget of an idea that felt different than what anyone else was doing. It wasn't perfect and wasn't perfectly formed, but it was, I was heading somewhere. That really does sound great, like great advice for anybody, artists, radio people, whatever. So write that down, folks. <laughs> Bob Boylan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Cheers. Right. Cheers. You can hear the full audio of the Berkeley All Songs Listening Party at npr.org slash allsongs. We're taking you out with a little bit of a song from Lost in the Trees, fronted by alumnus Ari Picker. More news at berkeley.edu. Listen to more of our podcasts on SoundCloud. This podcast was engineered by Justin Poon. For Inside Berkeley, I'm Rob Hochschild.